Hello and welcome. This is your Bible teaching program, Search for Truth, with teacher, Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. This is program number three in this eight-part series, where Brian is looking each week at a different section of New Testament scripture and seeing how it can help us intensify our relationship with Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at our relationship with Christ as being built on him with reference to Ephesians chapter 2. This time, our scripture portion uh, centres on the Gospel of John, chapter 17, where we see how Jesus is the one who unites us. Here's Brian. Thanks, John. We hear a lot about ecumenical moves nowadays. The starting premise cannot be denied that we're all one in Christ Jesus, all one in the perfect mystical unity of the church, the body. This is truly the case, and praise God for it. But at street level... The universal church, or that part of it which is expressed in members alive on earth at this time, appears very different. There are presently so many different denominational emphases. Only the gradual development of a corporate maturity can help to overcome this. This was what the Lord Jesus himself prayed for before he left earth to return to heaven. The New Testament history book of the Acts of the Apostles gives us an inspired record of how earliest Christianity spread in a unified way outward around the eastern Mediterranean before crossing into Europe. Very largely, those in the New Testament community of local churches of God were all on the same page. This was in keeping with the use of that same template of teaching in every place, a specified teaching and practice which the Lord had prescribed for his apostles to use. We've repaired to the prayer which the Lord Jesus prayed in John's Gospel, chapter 17. It divides into three sections that could be labelled as glorification, sanctification and unification. The glorification referred to the Lord himself, the sanctification applied to his apostles, and the unification relates to us, to believers of the church age. It's mainly relevant for us here if we confine ourselves to dealing with the third section of the prayer in John 17. This is the part that deals with the unification of believers in this present church age, the age that began at the Pentecost recorded in Acts chapter 2. This section of the prayer that the Lord prayed so soon before he was to go to the cross, begins at verse 20. Jesus is praying, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them, and will make it known, so that the love with which you love me may be in them, and I in them. Let's remind ourselves again, for whom is the Lord praying? He tells us, for himself in the first five verses, 
and then in the next section for his apostles, and finally for the elect of the church age in that section that we've been reading. In terms of contemporary application then, we'll be looking at this third category, the one that we've read. The scope of the Lord's Prayer is self-evidently the whole body of Christ. The objective of the prayer, however, narrows down upon those who are to become so visibly unified that they'll be an effective testimony to the unbelieving world. And the very next book of the New Testament unfolds the sequel to this prayer. Notice how the Lord prays, As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We can compare that, which is verse 18, with the great commission of Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As a result of this, based on what we find in Acts chapter 1 and the rest of that book, we find the answer to the Lord's John 17 prayer in the community of local churches described in the first Christian history book of the Acts of the Apostles. Throughout the book of Acts, we have documented how over time, with the spread of the good news, individual churches, known as Churches of God, came into existence at various locations around the eastern seaboard of the Mediterranean. Notice I said individual, but not independent, for indeed they weren't independent. They each bore testimony to the essential character of the body of all believers, and what's more, they were interdependent on each other in the overall early Christian community. That's why the various collective nouns of the New Testament were so fitting. They were a nation, a kingdom, a priesthood, and of the household of God. The universal church, known biblically as the body, is a mystical unity, and so invisible. In answer to Christ's prayer of John 17, the emerging nation, kingdom, priesthood, to which the disciples of Christ then belonged, gave visible expression to it. What we are saying is that Christ's prayer of John 17 was then answered and will always be answered when the essential unity of the body results in the expressed unity of the community of local churches, still on earth but arranged according to the biblical pattern. Those belonging to Christ, in other words, the church, is seen as complete in this chapter, not overlapping with the world of unbelievers. All its members have been chosen to obey. However, that obedience is not automatic. So the Lord prayed in advance for it to happen. In other words, he was praying that the maturing process outlined in Ephesians chapter 4 would materialise as believers cooperated with the Holy Spirit's promptings in their lives. As body members spoke the truth, even doctrinal truth, lovingly to each other, Christian unity on earth was to be reached through each submitting in obedience to the Lord's teaching as found preserved in the New Testament scriptures, but as first taught orally by his apostles 2,000 years ago. The early answer to the Lord's Prayer is found in the progress of first century New Testament churches of God in the Act of the Apostles. And it's again being answered in churches that operate as a community today in the same way as they did in the first century. We live in days of so-called 
consumer Christianity. That's where believers interested in teaching go to one place and believers interested in lively forms of worship go somewhere different and those who are passionately missions-minded may go somewhere different again. For any one of us, there may come a time when we're tempted to think it would be easier to be in a bigger church group or with a livelier company of Christians or one with many more young people. Why not, if it seems to meet our needs? Why stay where we are? Does it not help to remember this prayer prayed by our Lord Jesus on the evening before he went out to die? It sums up the full vision he had for coming to this earth to die. It was about so much more than rescuing repentant sinners from the eternal punishment of the lake of fire. It was also about making possible that his Father in heaven would have the kind of worshipping people obeying the Lord's commands that provided for a gathering of Christian believers to worship the Father in spirit and truth. This is not focused on pleasing myself and meeting my needs, but is focused on pleasing God and fulfilling his glorious purpose. But how could the Lord pray for such unity? God is a God of means, is he not? And before he went back to heaven, the Lord provided his leading disciples, principally the apostles, with the blueprint for unity. It's like the flat pack furniture manufacturer who really wants you to successfully build his furniture, and so he goes to great lengths to leave you with detailed instructions. The Lord longed for unity, prayed for it, So is it conceivable that he didn't prescribe a unique set of instructions, which if repeatedly followed in every place, in every era, would lead to it becoming the answer to his prayer? And that prayer, as we've seen, was that the essential character of the body be expressed in a visible unity on earth. Independent designer churches of man-made ideas can never hope to do justice to representing the mystical unity of the universal church. There's one plan for one visible community on earth and it's never changed since the Lord prayed this prayer and passed the plan on to his apostles. The Lord's prayer here reverberates still. It is in effect that we will follow his original plan. We were chosen to obey. Remember what the apostle Peter said? Will we allow ourselves to become part of the answer to the Lord's great prayer? which is that we should still serve by the same deliberate plan for local churches. And what was God's original plan? In summary, they received his word, were baptised in water and added to the local church, and they continued in the apostles' teaching, in the fellowship, in the breaking of the bread and the local church prayers.
Well, I hope you enjoyed Brian's talk today. And if it's raised any comments or questions for Brian, you can contact us using the addresses I'll give you in a minute. There's also a transcript book for all the talks in this series, and it's available free on request by asking for the title Our Relationship with Jesus Christ. You can order the book by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon SN4 8DY UK. And our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. You may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio podcast or mp3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com you can browse the list of previous talks which you'll see has been sorted into categories to help you find what you're looking for. Now, sadly, we've almost finished today, so thanks for the pleasure of your company. And I look forward to you joining us again next week, if you can, when Brian will be choosing another section of New Testament Scripture to see how it helps us enrich our relationship with Jesus. Until next week, then, it's very best wishes. From Bible teacher Brian, studio technician David, our singers, and me, John. So bye for now, and may God richly bless you. Lord Jesus, the